Welcome back to another episode of Eyes Up Here. In Eyes Up Here fashion, we're here to talk about breaking social stigmas, stereotypes, and I thought for this episode, I was dying to do something about the myths and misconceptions of plastic surgery. So for that, I brought in a perfect friend. He's an expert. He's a celebrity plastic surgeon here in Beverly Hills. His name is Dr. Ben Tally. Tally? Yes, either. Tally. Tally? Yeah. Okay, I was never quite sure. Yeah, this is Dr. (laughs) Ben, my friend. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Ben. Well, hello. Thanks He's for thanks for bringing me here. by. Yeah, I'm 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 excited. I, I was I've been excited since you started the podcast. I knew it would take off, mm-hmm. and then now I know. You know, it, I think it's great that you're going towards like video, and then I hope it just blows up. Thanks. Thank take you over so the much. world. And now you're my guinea pig because I have a lot of questions for you. Yeah. I feel like I know that you have to attend all kind of medical conferences, and you're always furthering your education and you're speaking at events when it comes to plastic surgery and facial reconstruction. Is that right? Yeah. 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 You're always doing stuff like that. So I have a conversation for you that's not quite so scientific. It's a little bit more social because I feel like so many people have questions for plastic surgeons that they're afraid to ask. Because let's think about it. Your patient isn't going to ask you some dumb shit that they're like really worried about. No, I mean, it's it's my job to get it out of them. (laughs) Yeah. So they're scared to ask and I get more out of them than most people do because I'm kind of like a psychiatrist. Like mm-hmm. when I talk to people and I kind of probe them and I can I can pick up on if they want me to go deeper or not. I can Ooh. also pick up the, if I'm okay using F words and things yeah. like that. But you know that, that that's kind of what I'm good at is trying to get things out of people. That's good. See, I feel like a lot of America, a lot of America doesn't, they don't do plastic surgery. A lot for a lot of people, plastic surgery is really taboo. Yeah. Um, for some, they even consider it immoral. So I love to talk a little bit about it. Myths and misconceptions. So one of the first ones I just have to start with is does plastic surgery involve plastic? So <laughs> it does. It can. The 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 word plastic, it's from a Greek word, plastos, which means to like change shape. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's it's not it's not from that, but there is a lot of plastic involved, and the main plastic that people use now that's inert and doesn't really bother the body is silicone. Mm-hmm. And there's like implantable silicone, which are just solid pieces or. I thought it was rubber. There. I thought silicone was rubber. It's kind of a polymer of plastic. Yeah, okay. so it is in the same realm of stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, and there's the injectable type, and there's solid form. Solid forms are safe. Injectable silicone is not safe. Or injectable okay. plastics. That's what's happening with all the booties in Tijuana. Lots of problems. No shade. Yeah. Yeah. No shade. L- lots and lots of problems. <laughs> um, so yeah. So okay. Plastic surgery comes from the Greek word plas- plastos. Plastos. Okay. Yeah. Um, Doctor Ben, what what is one of the biggest misconceptions of plastic surgery that you hear? Because I feel like yours. My main thing is people come in and they say, "I don't want to look fake." Mm. And that just means that all they've seen is bad plastic surgery. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, plastic shouldn't look plastic. It's not supposed to. They're not related. It's not supposed to. But 95% of what I've seen from plastics is not grade A amazing. It's average. It's nice. But when you do plastics, especially on someone's face, and it's, let's say, a B plus, you can notice some things. doesn't mean it's a bad surgery. It's just kind of noticeable. Yeah. So the biggest misconception that I see is that people come in thinking they're going to look fake, and they come in asking me, please don't make me look fake or or I want to do something that doesn't make me look fake. And I'm like, well, that's like you go to a car dealership and you're like, well, I want one that runs. Can you give me a car? Like, obviously, yeah. you're going in. You want, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a question you need to ask, but people are scared. Wow. Rightfully so. They sh- And I I'm, I bet you see a lot of people because we're in Hollywood. So you see a lot of extremes. Yes. Um, I do. had I had people tweet me because we were discussing questions and they wanted to know if do you ever tell people they've like they've had enough? 
or like, you know, you're, do you ever tell them their opinion is wrong? Lots, yeah? <laughs> lots and lots. Yeah. So I, I do tell people you're looking at the wrong thing. You're seeing the wrong thing. And I try to gently guide them to the right thing. Right. My job is to keep someone looking good, period. Yeah. And there's different tastes as to what looks good. You know, there's like an Instagram called Plastic Positive Insta. And these people love looking fake. And Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. Like I see on Botch, like a lot of people, in, they want to look like anime characters or yeah. sex dolls. Yeah, but that's not my aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. So my job is to keep them looking good. And for me, looking good means looking natural. And it means now and when they're 80. And I have a practice where I'm dealing with kids. I'm dealing mm -hmm. with teenagers. I'm dealing with 20s and 30s. I'm dealing with 80s. So... I see all the things that go wrong. Yeah. So I'm able to look at somebody now and when they ask me, ooh, can you take out my buckle fat pads? I can tell them, ah, you might not want to do that because in a couple of years, it's going to sag right here on your face structure versus somebody else can get away with it. Wow. So tons of the time I'm telling people, don't do this thing, don't do that thing, but I'm okay with you doing this. And the conflict comes when they come in and this is the toughest part where they say, well, this is what I want. And I say, well, you can get it with Botox and filler, which is temporary. Mm -hmm. And they say, no, I want something permanent. And this doctor told me I can do something permanent. I'm like, well, I know the doctor said that, but we have different tastes. And what I'm really trying to tell them is that doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But you can't say that. You can't. I bet that's and, really tough. And legitimately, I might be wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I never say that. But I do tell them that I don't think you should go that way. And there's no perfect answer for you. Yeah. So you have to sometimes settle for what's good enough and what's going to get you an improvement. Maybe not your dream, but your improvement, and I'll get you there safely. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I, and I think you're kind of known in L.A. to be a doctor who you can trust. Yeah, I hope so. You really are. <laughs> no, because, I mean, I have a ton of girlfriends. We like fillers and all this kind of stuff. So we, you are. You are one of the ones we're like, oh, he's a genius. Like, it's fine. Well, and not so many other doctors you can do that and feel so comfortable with their opinion. Yeah, I'm hoping the the plastics world changes where you trust everybody's opinion. Yeah. But right now it's not like that and it's just because everyone has different aesthetic, different yeah. training and they just don't don't, you know, they don't see the same things. But it's coming out more and more now where people are getting more natural and US is the first one really in front of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, London is kind of coming way behind and there's Ooh, a bunch yeah, of they others. Yeah, lo they love those oversized lips. I yeah. have a lot of friends in the UK. They take it far, but I love it. They take it they're far. So and cute. if you go to Sweden, it's just confused. Like they don't Because they're naturally perfect. They're what naturally do they do? perfect. What do they have and they, to do and in they come Sweden? in and they do fillers and stuff, but they've you know the people coming and doing fillers are not really trained by the best people in the world. They're kind of just, you know, yeah really getting into it and everything looks a little weird there. But the US is the first to really, I'd say, be the frontier of making things more natural now. Yeah. France being second and Brazil being third. Like there's all those, you know, the, the, the countries are all trying to get every, get all the improvements now they used to get, but mm -hmm. natural. Yeah. I like that idea. Natural is a little bit better. It, re yeah. it really reminds me of this. I don't know. We were talking about the UK and London. There was recently an article. I'm sure you saw it where the young woman, she was from the UK, somewhere in the UK. Mm -hmm. She's a mom of three and she went um, to a country to get her butt done. She went to go do some kind of um, liposuction and butt lift in Turkey, I think. Okay. God, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but I thought it was Turkey. But she ended up dying. And it raised this whole, it made for the best clickbait because everyone goes, mom, mom of three dies seeking new butt. Yeah. M mom of three dies looking for a butt lift. You know, it was so sensationalized. Well, how do you react when you see one of those bad stories and everyone thinks, oh my God, you're risking your life. You know, now you've taken a mother. Like yeah. they put that on your back as a plastic surgeon. Like yeah. now you've taken a mother of three because she's risked her life in, for vanity. 
How do you, what do you, how do you react to that? I think as an overall message, it's good to be out there. Freak people out a little bit. Let them know that there is risk. You put a needle, a needle, like drawing blood and you have risk of dying from that, you know, and that's yeah. the smallest tiny little thing. There was a lady in Australia a couple of weeks ago uh, who went blind from forehead injections with filler. Oh, stop. And yeah, and these things could be something from an untrained practitioner, but there are stories about the best trained people in the world, people like me doing an injectable and it can make people blind. It can give a stroke. You know, there's things that can that can happen. Yeah. And it's good to know that. So at least when you go in to do something, you do it as safely and conservatively as possible. Yeah. Okay. Not to say this, you could do the safest thing in the world. You could be the one person who has the bad luck. It is possible. Yeah. And you should know that before going in. Uh, but I think it's nice that people are aware they have these horror stories. Uh, a lot of people are demonized when they, you know, things go wrong. That's not their fault. Like mm -hmm. a, if you go in and you get uh, a tummy tuck, you are predisposed to getting clots in your legs and other problems. And it's not necessarily the surgeon's fault, but right. they demonize the person, they put him in the media and that guy's career is over. Right. And he didn't do anything different than the other million people before him. Yeah. But, and the mom for seeking it. They think that was a selfish act to right, make yourself right. look beautiful. When you get into this stuff, it's a team effort. It's me and the patient and we're deciding things together and we're taking the risk together. And yeah. it's my job to tell them what the risks are. It's their job to say, well, I don't want to take that risk or I'm going to take the risk. That's right. really how the relationship works. Right. Do you think that there's any, do you think there's anything wrong with people who want to seek a more beautiful, I don't know, physique or look or aesthetic? Because for me as a woman, I grew up with commercials about anti-aging and I grew up with like beautiful pop singers. I don't get how certain people can spend thousands of dollars on makeup trying to contour something or wanting to fix something and they haven't considered having a procedure done to do the same thing and not waste their money. Yeah. So so a lot of judgment comes into that. From yeah. Some people and those people are a little narrow sighted. Mm -hmm. um, the, the reality is people wear makeup, people get haircuts, people brush their teeth. Braces. I think you have to look. Braces. Yeah. yeah. These are all things that we're using cosmetically to look better, to build our confidence or to at least not hinder our confidence. Okay? Yeah. So there's two different ways you can look at it. One is you're just a constant confidence booster type person. You just always want to feel better. The other is you have something that's dragging you down and you want to feel better. Yeah. Neither, like we, we are wired as humans, we are wired to want to make ourselves better. So it doesn't, you know, you can't judge someone for wanting cosmetically to look better. It's it's part of our nature. Right. It would be weird not to feel those kind of things. Some people are oblivious to it and it's fine. Lucky. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> it, and, and it's great for them. But for the others, let's say somebody who wants more cheek contour and they're going crazy every day doing it. It's really not a big deal to go put a touch of filler over there. Yeah. Someone who looks tired and everybody keeps walking up to them every day. Oh, my God. Do you know how annoying it is when people ask you, are you tired? Or did you? I can imagine. Wow, you look like, did you gain weight? Did it's you, rude. You know, they ask you, yeah, but they ask you and they don't think it's rude because they're asking you if you're tired. They're not saying you're ugly. Oh, true. Okay. But to you, to me. You're like, I'm well slept. It's like, yeah, man, What's stop wrong? calling me tired. Okay, <laughs> I get it. I look bad. That's, no, okay. So, it, it, But that's how it is. That's how we feel about it. And all you have to do is you go do a little bit of filler and it takes care of it. And right. I've done so many women, so many men who come in and the men are scared to tell you this stuff because they don't want to feel like they're chasing something cosmetic, but they don't want people telling them they're tired anymore. Yeah. It gets annoying. It happens a lot with men. Happens a lot with men. Really? And so they sneak in and their wives have to say, tell them, honey, tell, tell, tell them what you told me. And he's like, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. But like, you know, if you have anything that's super easy to do <laughs> and is, you know, definitely going to be natural and they're super nervous. Yeah. And you put the filler and they're like, oh, that's it. I don't even look different. 
And you, and at first when I heard that, I'm like, oh, they don't like what I did. But then I realized they're relieved. Yeah. That they look normal and natural. Right. Yeah. But the way I, I see it is different than most people. Like I, so I see that part of it, but I also see the four-year-olds because mm -hmm. I do pediatric birthmarks. And so part of my job is to try to, kids come in with birthmarks. After four or five years old, if it's a noticeable birthmark, meaning a big red spot, a big brown spot somewhere on their face, other kids start to notice and other kids start to interact with them differently. Of course. All of a sudden you have a kid who's growing up with a personality type disorder where wow. they become a little bit like an Asperger kid where they're introverted and they're shy and they don't talk much. And all it takes is a 10 minute procedure and yeah. you go cut out this mole and all of a sudden they grow up more extroverted, more out there, more normal. Um, so it's my job to tell the parents, listen, you're not doing them a disservice and making them feel bad in the future if they look back and say, why did my parents not love me? Yeah. Realistically, you save them all this torment and having to deal with other kids teasing them. Oh, wow. So I see it from a young age. So when people come to me and they have a slight issue with confidence, with little things on their face, and I think it's reasonable, that's the key thing is I think it's reasonable and the, the risk is reasonable, then I advise them, go ahead and do that thing. Yeah. If someone comes in, they're fixated on symmetry and they're like, look at my face, it's different. I'm like, well, you're not seeing reality. And I have to tell them like, get in touch with reality first. Reality yeah. is that asymmetry is beautiful. You have to have asymmetry or else you look weird. Then you'd look weird. You look weird if you're symmetric. Yeah. Nobody's symmetric. You'd look really weird. You look like an alien, legitimately like an alien. I'd love to see someone born with like per perfect symmetry. Nobody is, they look weird. That'd and if cool. you put someone, well, you could put their face side by side and they look weird. Yeah. And this guy did it from, uh, I forgot what university, he put it together to show the the that nobody has a symmetric face. They put together like George Bush and Marilyn Monroe and all these people. And the thing that you get from it, forget the fact that they're not symmetric, that was his point. Mm -hmm. What you really see is that people are better looking when they're asymmetric. Not when you take the better side of their face and flip it. Wow. They look better asymmetric. So when people come with those things, I try to, instead of going along with it, I tell them you're being unreasonable in a very nice way. Yeah. And be happy with what you have. Yeah, like, get you're, the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> in a nice way. Oh. Yeah. oh my gosh, okay. To me, it really sounds like too, so many times you read online, people seeking beauty. It, it Beauty almost sounds like an idea, but from what I'm hearing and from what I've really kind of learned is that beauty can be scientific. And I know that there is a scientific definition of beauty. So when someone does have something that's off, maybe they, they do have, ears that seem not to fit the face or a nose that doesn't fit the face or something like that are you are you really seeking some kind of vain idea or are you are you trying to scientific like because i'm thinking you would live a better life if you kind of felt more scientifically beautiful i don't want to yeah. say that the wrong way because i'm not suggesting anyone ever no, yeah. change anything or do whatever yeah i yeah. think if you don't want the, to like you're, yeah, what you're live saying your life. Is the, the, the more you approach like what society finds as aesthetically balanced and perfect yeah. and nice, you might live a better life. And Maybe. Is, but it's reality. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, reality. It, and it, it doesn't mean anybody needs to seek it or right. has to. But the reality is, and this is, and this is again, not, not being vain about it right. myself, but I'm saying better looking people in general, more pleasant looking people, pleasant. Yeah. They get better jobs. They get treated better by police. They get, <laughs> this is this is reality of life. True. And yeah, they do. Sorry. It is true though. <laughs> and this is pleasant. And that's the way I see, see people too, is they come in and if they look pleasant to me, meaning even if somebody would say, oh, I don't think they're good looking, but I look at them and they look happy and smiley and nice and pleasant. Yeah. I don't care much to do on them, to, 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 uh, to, to do much on them. But if they come in and they look angry and bitter, then I want to fix everything. Yeah. And that's like, that's my main driving goal. If they look fake, 
that's the worst. If they look fake, it drives me insane. Yeah. And fortunately now there's this whole movement between people who started looking fake and they realized it. And Are you shouting out up. Kylie Jenner right now? No. no, <laughs> no, no. Recently, so for the listeners, recently Kylie Jenner has said that she's removed some of her lip filler, which she's famous for and built a billion yeah. dollar industry on her um, lip products. So yeah, so maybe I'm just associating it with the trend that I've seen. Yeah, so she's figured it out. And she's someone who's very in touch with beauty overall. And yeah. what she probably noticed was that over time it was getting bigger, bigger, bulkier and wasn't benefiting her anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you get rid of those fillers, you dissolve them and you start from scratch. And you could do a little bit to kind of refill it and make it look nice again. And that's what a lot of people are doing now. And I, I probably use more dissolver in general in my office than anybody in Beverly Hills that I can think of. I use a lot. And it's because I see a lot of older filler that mm. crept its way out. So I do a lot of like under eyes, a lot of lip, a lot of that kind of stuff. The biggest headache for me is the under eye because people have had this indolent smoldering swelling under their eye for seven years and they don't think it's filler. And they come to you and you tell them, hey, you got this blue thing under your eye, it's filler. And you point it out and they accept it. And then you dissolve it and they're like, oh my God, what did you do to me? And I'm like, well, I got rid of the filler, oh, wow. like, but I'm hollow. I'm like, well, you were hollow. No, I wasn't. I'm like, well, you got the filler seven years ago. You've aged seven years. I'm oh, like, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. So this is where you're at now. This is where you're at Sorry. now. <laughs> and I'm like, and you look less fake and weird now. And this whole big blob of inflammation you had that was stretching your skin out and making your skin quality permanently worse is now gone. So you're not going to damage yourself for the future. But you, it doesn't matter. Either way, I get blamed for these things. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. So, so I I'm bet. very hesitant to dissolve like under eye filler. But lip filler, I'm dissolving all day because I'm a lip specialist. So I do yeah. tons of lips. So I'm dissolving it all day long. Love lips. Lips are like the hot thing. Yeah, lips are great. <laughs> also, so that just reminds me of like there's so many trends in plastic surgery. And I'm sure how how long have you been a surgeon? Uh, uh, years and years. I don't know. How many years? In LA, I've been a surgeon in four years. Yeah, in life. Uh, in life, 10-ish. LA years, yeah. that's like 50 in Louisiana years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, but, but, but Beverly Hills, just for four years. So my own private wow. practice here, four years. Before that, I was doing kind of chasing training. Yeah. So I kept trying to find the best people in the country and get better and better until I felt nobody could be better at something. That's good. Wow. Different, yes. Not better. Yeah. Different. Um, so you've seen a lot of trends in plastic surgery, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, I know I've been here for four years, so I remember when I moved here, it was the butts. Yeah. Like butts were a huge thing. <laughs> what was your take on they the, were the huge butts? Thing. They were a I huge think. thing. They're still a huge thing. Yeah. I, I think it's it's largely overdone. I Large, think that's yeah. pun intended. <laughs> say, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's, it's just people do too much. They yeah. chase it too much and they don't see, again, where they're going to be in 10, 15 years. And like, okay, we'll have something else to fix it. You can't fix it. Like yeah. once you get fat injected, you're pretty much fat injected. Yeah. And what happens if it hypertrophies and it thickens and it grows because it's alive? Uh, what are you going to do? You can't do anything about it. So uh, people backed off. And this is the same with facial fat grafting, fat grafting mm -hmm. for the face. People were doing it a ton to correct everything. And they're like, oh, my God, it's so great. But all you got was these weird masculine looking women. Who look Ooh. fatty and mongoloid and it didn't look great and then there's i mean different degrees of it but maybe a little mongoloid maybe a lot but i would see it yeah um, so people backed off of that and people have backed off on the body stuff too and i think overall it is a wonderful thing to have available just don't overdo it so you got to find the doctors who are really more natural and do tons of it they can't yeah. be a breast specialist and just dabble in, in body recontouring dabble in, dabble in ass yeah you can't just dabble in ass <laughs> that's so true immature. I'd be a terrible <laughs> plastic surgeon no that's exactly how we <laughs> talk and so the you know the liposuction is a little i'd say easier to master mm -hmm. it's very difficult in general but it's easier than body recontouring 
the more you do in terms of fat grafting, fat injection, uh, high def lipo, the more prone you are to irregularities and irregularities that are extremely hard to fix. Oh no. There are still good surgeries if it's done right. Yeah. So it sounds like take it slow and be sure to go to someone the most experienced. Go to the most experienced. Yeah. You never you never try to do a lot of people. The problem is you don't know who's good at what price point. Yeah. So somebody yeah. can be the best in the world and they charge $8,000 for full BBL. But the better guys are usually more. Doesn't yeah. mean they always are. But what happens is people go and they're like, well, I can't afford it. So I'm going to go to this guy. But then two years later, they're fixing it and they spend it again with the other guy. Then they fix it again. They spend it again with the other guy. Oh, yeah. No, that totally makes and so much sense. So. You know, it reminds when I was in Louisiana, I worked at Hooters. Uh-huh. So I was watching my girlfriends get boob jobs every week, like all yeah. the time because then their tips would go up and they were into it. And um, I noticed the same thing. And you know what was really petty that I noticed? Um, a lot of people would have to pay a consultation fee to meet a doctor. Yeah. And it might be 200 bucks, you know, 200 bucks on a potential $6,000, $5,000 surgery. And so many would be down with just the one consultation and almost paying that investment was solidified that they were going with that doctor Yeah. because they were like, oh, well, you know, this $200 goes toward the $6,000 procedure. Yeah. And I noticed never was anyone going to anyone they didn't give $200 to. Is that almost like this amazing marketing gimmick that I just got? It's well, so from, the, kind of amazing. from the doctor's side, yeah. there's two ways. So one is. The doctors usually do it because they don't want to waste their time of course. with people who are going to come in, just talk to them for half an hour. And it's not like you have you know, unlimited amount of time. You can only see a certain number of people. So you right. try to make it a little more high yield where more serious people come in to talk to you. Um, the lower your consultation fee, maybe you see more people, but realistically, the people that you're going to have to get to form like a real relationship with are going to be very small. Mm-hmm. So you want to have people come in who are going to be your friends, who are going to be serious about the surgery, who take you seriously, who already know about you and have researched you and that kind of stuff. That makes yeah. life easier for everybody. Yeah. Um, the part where uh, the surgeons really capture people to not let them go becomes like the down payment of the surgery. Mm. And that's tricky. Okay? Yeah. So the surgeon wants to get the down payment because they don't want a patient to cancel last second and ruin their week. Yeah. Because that's what happens. And you lose a day of surgery for you, that could be devastating. It could be a really, really big deal because you only have like two days in the week that you're operating and all of a sudden your overhead's super high and you have two people that canceled for the month. That's devastating. Wow. So you want to minimize that. The part where doctors can be a little assholey about it is if somebody wants to back out of the surgery legitimately and they don't want to do surgery with you and you're like, well, I'm going to keep your $4,000 because mm-hmm. we had an agreement. That's not nice to do. But the doctor, you know, the hungrier ones want to keep that patient no matter what. In the end, it doesn't work out for anybody doing that because the patient's going to go do the surgery that they wanted to back out of. They're a little bit nervous. They go do the surgery. Now, anything that goes wrong, they're going to be blaming you for it constantly. Oh, of course. So you either have to be, again, at that point, a bigger asshole to be like, well, I don't care about your concerns. Or if you're the guy who really does care, and which means you shouldn't have kept the money in the first place anyways, yeah. you're going to end up giving it back to them at some point to make them go away. Oh, wow. So realistically, doctors do this. And the ones who do it have larger headaches. Or they're just oblivious assholes and they don't care. Uh, Most doctors, if you were to try to back out of something, they would be okay with it because it's not meant to be. It's like forcing someone to marry you. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, and be like, it's my girlfriend. Like, you have to marry me. And then it would be great. But (laughs) five (laughs) years later, she's trying to run away from me. Yeah. You're going to have to pay that wedding money back. At some point. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But you can always back out of a surgery. Yeah. You can always say no. (laughs) 
God, that sounds so interesting. I'm sure you have to deal with so many times too, just unrealistic expectations. It just sounds like, I know, I mean, even people, I know my friends who get their hair cut and they are psychotic. Like they are just like, this is the wrong shade of ash brown. Yeah. I know friends who are completely unhappy every time they get like simple things like nails done. I can't imagine some unrealistic expectations when people get things done. And surgery is a lot more emotional. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh my you're God. You're dealing with your body. You're dealing with your face. hiding. Yeah. Hiding your face. And so people are stressed and anxious and they think they'll never look normal again. And there's mm -hmm. all this stuff going on with even normal people. Yeah. And then you have people who have body dysmorphia. Body yeah. dysmorphia is a whole nother world. Body dysmorphia means that the person sees something that nobody else sees. I have to talk to you about this. I'm so happy you even said this word. I was on, okay, you're going to laugh your ass off. I was on the cover of this Forbes article. Uh -huh. And of course, it's not because I'm a billionaire yet, so I'm pissed. Yet. But yeah, yet, yet. But um, it's this Forbes article, and I'm it's a Getty Images, and I'm Snapchatting myself at this pool event I was paid to go to. And the title of the article is basically something about is Snapchat dysmorphia or something? Yeah. Is, is there a Snapchat dysmorphia? Yeah, it's the new name they give to 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 social media dysmorphia selfies. Yes. So basically, it was inferring that people like me. I'm assuming people like me because that was my fucking face, but people like me and other people who filter themselves and take selfies are creating unrealistic unrealistic expectations on how they're supposed to look yeah. and how other people are supposed to look. So right. the, the article suggested that even just me filtering myself online, I was convincing someone else that they didn't look okay or it wasn't okay to look however they look without a mouse filter. Yeah, well, I well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a very insulting line to draw for people to be like, well, it's your fault that this is happening. Yeah, it's always it's, my it's, fault. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, they like to blame. But realistically, it is happening where everybody wants to look like the filter. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter who's doing the filter. Yeah. Like, I've had people come in and they're like, I want to look like that person. Right. And then two seconds later, that person comes in and they're like, I want to look like that person. And oh, they're both And actors. you would know that too. And then, yeah, and they do it all the time. And, I'm wow. like, and I just laugh to myself. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> like, That's cool. And I was like, trust me, that person wants to look different too. And I wow. can't say why or how or whatever. But... That's the reality of it is that people want to look like they have no nasolabial folds, no under eye shadows, perfect skin, all this stuff, no right. pores, you know, this stuff, it doesn't exist. But they see it in filters and in other people's filters too. So they want to look like their own filter. And on top of that, they justify it by saying, well, look at all these other people, they look great. Ooh. And it's people who actually will have photos in the pop and like paparazzi photos and like, how do they look so great? I'm like, well, they feed it to them. And like, what do you mean? They can't do that. It's paparazzi. Oh, yes, That's they can. That's not how paparazzi works. I'm yes, like, they can. Paparazzi is a normal guy who wants to make money. They feed him the photo, they sell the photo, or they work directly for the magazine. Absolutely. <laughs> it works exactly like that. So Snapchat dysmorphia is, that's the new word they gave it, but that's what it is. It's just people wanting to look like things that are not realistic. Yeah. Versus regular dysmorphia is you see something that other people don't see. So you're like, look, my nose is crooked. And you're like, well, maybe it's a degree off, but nobody can see. I can't even see it. Yeah. And But they're fixated on it. You operate on that person to try to help them. You will be ruining your life. They will they'll never be happy. They'll never be happy. And something else will pop up or the same thing pops up. And it doesn't matter how realistically you explain it to them. You're operating on the wrong person, period. Yeah. So you can tell them, listen, I'm going to fix it one degree. I'm going to do this, that. doesn't matter. You can write it out and they'll say, oh, you wrote that contract now. You're like, well, no, you signed it at the time. Well, you forged it. Like what? they'll, yeah, they'll say crazy shit like that. Wow. They come back and I've had, I, I had somebody tell me that I did a surgery on her that she didn't ask for. It. And Stop. I'm like, you didn't ask for it the first time or the second time when you came in and I fixed it for you. And they're like, neither time. I'm like, were you on drugs? Oh no. No. 
but you didn't tell me you're gonna do that. I'm like, so I held you down and I just started cutting your eyes and you're like, go cut my eyes. <laughs> oh like, my God. So it happens, it happens. And they come it's in really and they're sad. dysmorphic and the dysmorphic, they're a little crazy too, but the dysmorphic part is they keep seeing something wrong and they're like, fix it, fix it, fix it. And I'm like, I don't see what you're talking about. Yeah. And you tell them that and they get more upset. And God. I learned my lesson Yeah. <laughs> in the end. I didn't blame her. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. I shouldn't have touched her. Yeah. Well, you're, you know, it's not, you know, mental health. That's, you don't have to be in charge of that. You know, people it's really need to plastics. check their shit. Yeah. God, that's tough. You know what that reminds me of too? Um, like plastic surgery shaming, I feel like is a huge thing. And I was inspired even for this podcast because this girl, she wrote a comment on my picture. So I had a picture where I have completely no makeup on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have lash extensions, but that is it. And maybe yeah. a spray tan, okay? Yeah. You know, because I'm always spray tan. And the comment was basically like, you know, it's great that you're posting a picture and saying that you have no makeup on and this is a natural photo, but you should really list out all the fillers that you do and any surgery you may have had or any other cosmetic procedure because you shouldn't be making people think that it's possible to look like you normally. <laughs> and I was just, I was offended <laughs> for sure. Um, but I just felt like that's a, a level of it is plastic surgery shaming yeah, or, or surgery or even cosmetic shaming. And I just, I almost didn't know how to react to that because first of all, I, we, I always talk about this on the show, but I didn't sign up to be anyone's role model. I'm not on Sesame street. No. I mean, but people always want to debate. Yeah. That's what it is. Some people are just like that and they just yeah. want to debate. And, and I've noticed just in comments, even on celebrities that it was a really popular, it's a popular thing to put fake or like, Oh, that's fake. Your lips are fake. Your ass is fake. Your hair color is fake. Like yeah. it's almost like this kind of, I think it's a cosmetic shaming, but I don't know. Plastic surgery shaming just seems like such a popular thing. It is, and it's mainly by unhappy people. Unhappy people. Mainly by unhappy people, otherwise by judgmental people who, they could be mild assholes, they could be big assholes. Yeah. You really don't know. It could just be someone who's just kind of judgmental and it's not the thing for them, but they want to judge everybody else because they have this kind of, I'd say, poor realistic conception of what plastics is doing for people yeah and they put themselves in the boat where well i'm better than that it's like people who who like love celebrities they're like oh you're such a loser you love you know i love like, celebrities well yeah <laughs> so, yeah some people <laughs> just TV. love certain things um and looking better is one of those things but other people can judge you for it i've had right. pictures i put up of people and it's like the most beautiful before and after ever and someone's sitting there nitpicking about like well their right eyebrow is lower than their left and i'm like well i didn't touch their eyebrows and it says like yeah. their chin i'm like what do you look at? but people always want to feel like they want to talk about something they want to give their opinion always yeah if you if you walk around new york in the streets of new york you see that people are always want to tell you what's on their mind i heard yeah that's how it is would you consider these people misinformed because i th- even i've read that um i don't know how they statified that is that a word Hmm. <laughs> statified is statified a fucking word okay i don't know how they quantified this there you go. but i did read an article where it suggested substantiated this is no, it I substantiated <laughs> claim i think it might have been quantified but they were yeah. coming up with um they basically said like whatever percentage of people lived happier lives after plastic, plastic surgery yeah. and i don't know whether they studied their wages or their overall mood or some oh, kind no, of thing but would you say that most people are happier like it's a huge, it's a huge change. They even did like a what, Rosenthal or Rosenberg like grading scale for skin, mm-hmm. and they improved people's skin quality. Just the skin quality alone boosted people's happiness and overall, I'd say, contentment in life. 
Yes. Like just from skin quality. So it does make a huge difference. And there's other studies that say, well, people don't get better looking. They just feel better, or, you know, but no, mm. it's not true. Like you look at the photos, people look yeah, better. Yeah, you look a little better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People look better. So plastics is a way to make people feel better in mm -hmm. a very nice, safe way. It's also a way to make people look fake and weird. So yeah, true. If that's what you want. Yeah. And you, you should be thankful for those people because then that's, you know, one less person you have to look hotter than. Yeah. <laughs> you go out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's how I think I'm sick. Okay. Um, you, but you know what? It, it is true that you say that. And because I worked at Hooters mm -hmm. and girls, I used to have girls tell me, they go, Lindsay, doesn't it make you mad that someone, that you have these like big natural boobs and like that's your thing and people can just go get like fake ones? And I was like, absolutely not. Because if that's all I had to offer, <laughs> then I'm, I suck. And B, why did I deserve that? I don't think I deserved to have a amazing body part that someone else didn't. Like I just won some kind of genetic like lottery and someone else didn't. I don't think that that's fair. And I, w I wouldn't be like capable of changing myself if I thought someone couldn't change to feel better too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always a competition either. I mean, it's like you want to look better and you're happy when other people are happy. Yeah. So. And happy people don't talk shit about you. That's true. They don't gossip about you. They're not mean to you. Like happy people are way more pleasant to deal with. Hotter people too. And the girls at Hooters, every time they got fake boobs, you know, for whatever reason, they were happy with themselves. Yeah. Like genuinely happy. They felt prettier. They made like a lot of money and it wasn't the boob size. It was because they felt cute. Like they really, I don't know. I know this is a sick, like Hooters boob job story, but I mean, they really felt beautiful after getting something that they wanted done and it would improve the way that they would go to the gym and, you know, their hair would be different. Like everything kind of shifted when people felt better about themselves. Yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, no, it's huge. The biggest I see is when I do a facelift or a nose job. Mm -hmm. And the nose job just kind of changes the character of the face in a very pleasant way, where yeah. they look brighter, the eyes look brighter. Uh, these people turn from somebody who would never take a photo in their lives <laughs> in front of anybody to now taking a selfies all the time. Yeah. And that's an amazing transformation where they go from an introvert to an extrovert just because of this tiny, one tiny little thing. Right. And all they had to sacrifice really was the downtime. Yeah. And a little bit of cash. Yeah. Just a small amount of cash. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, I think in the long run, an investment in your your face is an investment in your future. You can coin me. You can trademark me on that one. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to answer some Twitter questions. I asked Twitter if they had any questions for you, Dr. Ben. Yeah. At AMF82 said, what makes the stitches given by a plastic surgeon so much better than someone who does it in an emergency room? Do they use different knots? And how much, how much latitude does the doc have in denying surgery when he successfully suspects people people who have possible body dysmorphia that was a fucking tongue twister yeah so we had two questions okay first I got the first both. one is why is <laughs> why are the stitches better from you than an er room i have an idea sure. you can tell him yeah so er docs uh there are some amazing ones who stitch well but their job isn't to make it pretty it's to have you know you have this open wound and yeah close it up and make it look nice all right er docs who take pride in how good their stitches are and they go actually train a little bit mm -hmm. and they do really really good suturing uh plastic surgeons their job in life is suturing <laughs> and yeah. but i've seen plastic surgeons who suck and they just yeah. again they still stitch like they stitch in general surgery days and they just okay here's how you do it here's like a guy taught me the guys who are really good and this is what makes someone good are ones who have seen the changes over a long period of time and have tried 50 different types of stitching and on top of that, I've done like a bunch of cancer reconstructions. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys who are really, really good um, or big tension closures and stuff like that. So the thing that makes incisions heal well, mm -hmm. the first thing is zero tension. So they have to close it with zero tensions. 
uh, zero tension. Then you do deep dermal suturing, which means you're bringing the bottom of the skin back together, which is where the strength is. And then on top of that, you have to flip up the skin, everting it in order for it to heal well. And the reason for that is over a period of time, well, first you want the bottom part to link together first. Mm -hmm. It starts to do this and it starts to invert. If you keep it like this, it'll just flatten. Wow. Put it back together like this, it tends to invert. There's other little fancy things for step-offs and a million other things, but in general, the ER, it's not their job to, to make I, it I imagine amazing. they don't plan what they have to close a lot, too, in the ER. Yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't plan. They're, they're trying to keep you safe and healthy, and they do right. want to make it pretty, but right. it's not their main job. Yeah. You know, the plastics guys. Don't go there. Don't go no, there to get no, your work no. done, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. No, I've seen a lot of good ER work, though. That's good. Okay. It really depends on the doctor. This poor guy, he must have had a bad job. Okay. Yeah, the body <laughs> I don't dysmorphia know why that's thing. so funny. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that one. Yeah, the body dysmorphia thing, it, it's, it, I try not to get too involved in it with patients because I don't have that much space in my life to be ruined. So yeah. if I want to tell someone they yeah. have body dysmorphia, I better be ready to deal with the repercussions. Yeah. So as I try to guide them without telling them the dysmorphia that maybe they shouldn't be doing the surgery without telling them that they're dysmorphic. Yeah. If I tell them they're dysmorphic, there's a chance they're going to go online and ruin my life. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Fuck, that's hard. Yeah. That's a hard lane you have to choose lane how, you how, have to yeah, ride in. How involved do I want to get with this person I barely know? Yeah. I want to help, but how much am I going to sacrifice my own life to help this person? That's, yeah. that's the fine line where at first when I started, I was like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself for everybody. Yeah. Then you start to realize that your life sucks. Wow. And I'm not going to help anybody if I'm crying all day. <laughs> so, wow. So yeah, I, I don't tell people they have dysmorphia, but I guide them away from doing bad things. That's good. God, kudos to you. That's a lot to deal with. I'd be such an asshole. I'd be a terrible doctor. Okay. Um, ooh, this one's fun. What percentage of procedures end up being reversed and what type is most frequently reversed? This is at Brad Ben at Ben Brad 67. Yeah, so the the most commonly I'd say revised surgery that I'm aware of would be rhinoplasty. And yeah. it's uh you can't reverse rhinoplasty, which is important to know, but you can always fix it. So right. there is in the best hands in the world. For primary rhinoplasty, there's a 5 to 10% chance that you have to get a revision. Mm -hmm. And for revisions, meaning you've already had one or a second or a third, there's a 10 to 15% chance that you have to go get a revision. That's by the of best. A second. Correct. Oh, wow. That's by the best surgeons in the entire world to things that they admit and that they count. <laughs> so, yeah. so rhinoplasty seems to be the most inherently unpredictable uh, in terms of healing, which means if you've had a rhinoplasty and it's gone wrong, don't always blame the guy who did it. Things can go wrong. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that's the the nature of rhinoplasty, unfortunately. And we try to warn everybody going into it. Not everybody hears what we say. They don't. I know they don't. Maybe I don't do a good enough job scaring people for somebody who needs to be scared out of it. Yeah. But that's the reality. Rhinoplasty is the 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 most difficult. You know what people don't also they also won't pay attention to. And I know you know it's whenever talk, people talk about healing time. Yeah. People will never even my friends. I've had friends get their nose they done a month ago, and they're like, "It doesn't look different." And I'm like, "You're like, it's supposed to yeah. take a year. It's supposed to take a while." Yeah, that's where realself.com comes in. I love realself.com. I was going to yeah. talk about that too by the end, but if you're ever considering plastic surgery, you research the shit out of it on realself. Yes, and you will get some realistic experiences from price to um experience to people's yeah. before and after photos taken in their kitchen and like, at a month and three months and like oh my god yeah. look at a year i look better than i did at three months so yeah real self has helped a lot and most of my patients because i have uh i have a small online presence but enough that i get a lot of online patients being like from instagram and social yeah. media those are the people who go on real self anyways so yeah. they come in educated which is nice yeah i love that website i've been on there too i love that website. Yeah, it's, great. it's really it's really helpful and i've always told people too especially friends considering stuff, um, when you're looking at a doctor's website or their experience, 
pay less attention to the media and entertainment. Yeah. Because you and I both know you can pay PR and get on Oprah and you're the best known job doctor in the world. Yeah. That's not how it, that's not true. <laughs> so you can pay for PR. Let's remember that. Um, but also I always tell them to look for people who um, continue their education. Yeah. Um, who have either either written something or they they do steps to further like their information yeah, and the information and of others. Training, yes. All that, and that's the base. And then on yeah. top of that, you say, okay, I'm in safer hands with this person at the get-go. Yeah. Then you look at before and afters over and over again. Don't look at before and afters from two months or a month. Right. Because those can look good sometimes. Sometimes they can look terrible. People cherry pick. You have yeah. to look at a ton of before and afters from when the patient's healed. If they don't have a ton of before and afters from real before and afters, not like in the operating room, table, like real before and afters. And then, not those super lit up Photoshop ones. Too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The lighting. Like don't trust that person inherently unless you know 20 people who have gone to him yeah everybody has a story well my friend went to him you always have one person who got a good outcome and they were super hot to start with yeah <laughs> it was like always someone who's gonna be hot regardless okay um this is kind of a wild question but i like it he said um this guy i don't even want to say his name at frisky dingo two wise he said <laughs> He says radically, or no, racially speaking. Oh my God, I didn't, I thought it said radically. Racially yeah. speaking, who gets more or most of what done? Most of what's done in the world is Caucasian. And wouldn't so, it be boob jobs? Uh, breast is probably the most common and upper eyelids. Those yeah. are the two most common. There's a census on the plastic surgery website, but mm -hmm. it's uh, I think it's breast and, and upper eyelids. Um, generally when you go more towards like Asian and African American, you're kind of have fallen out of the facelift because there's no aging face in that. Must you know, be nice. I, and yeah, they don't God age much it. until they hit like 70. So black don't crack. Yeah. Black don't crack. Asian don't raisin. Oh, uh, Asian doesn't raisin. No, I've never even 65. heard that. 65. Then they, <laughs> they kind of drop quickly with, uh, usually pigmentation and loss of fat. Wow. Yeah. I actually never heard Asian don't raisin. I'm going to die for that. Um, let's see. I have another one. Ooh, this is from at a underscore Brandy. She says, have you ever had a case in which you knew you could not help them or give them what they wanted, but proceeded anyway? No. Good. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. good. No. Uh, I mean, everybody would say no to that mm -hmm. just because, you know, it means you're an asshole if you did the surgery like that. But yeah. realistically, no, it's my I'm I'm in this world because I like people like I just want to make people happy. And I have that kind of disease of trying to make people happy. Yeah. Nobody's going to be happy with me if I did a surgery on them they didn't need. Period. Yeah, and that's not my goal. I'm happy enough making zero dollars, and I would not do plastic surgery. Then mm -hmm. go try to make a ton of money for you know to do excess things on people. Yeah, um, and so I also I want to end this. I know you do a lot of uh, charity work. I know that. Could you tell me just a bit about that? I've always I've always seen the pictures in your office. Yeah, you're helping all these kids in other countries. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so I. I do a lot of charitable stuff, mainly well, I get dragged into a lot of it because yeah. once you do one good thing, other people notice for, and they want your help with fundraisers. Yeah. So I have spread myself thin with doing fundraising, but the main ones that I do, it's the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, which is the NCADV. Um, and then I do a lot for uh, kids with uh, microtia, with no ears, with cleft lip and palate. And the main uh, group I go with is hugs, although I go with different ones. And we're also, uh, we're also working with Padres Contra el Cancer, which is uh, it's a it's a Latino charity based out of Children's Hospital, mainly for uh, kids' families who, mm -hmm. who have cancer. And so I try to do as much as I can to help anybody who comes into me with birthmarks or uh, issues with uh, cleft lip and palate and uh, people come in after being uh, abused. Um, and I do as much as I can personally for them. 
then on top of that, I try to fundraise. So recently, wow. uh, well, yeah, on my birthday, I did a fundraiser for hugs where I said, whatever everybody donates, we're going to match. And then fortunately, a $10,000 donation came in the day after, or else I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so, but we still raised a lot, though. So, we yeah. raised a lot for hugs. Um, NCADV, I donate to every once in a while myself. And then I try to fundraise uh, once or twice a year. And we did a, I do a lot of like car based charities. So, we do uh, races around the racetrack, we do parties, you know, we do different things. All uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. The next one I'm trying to do is going to be for Padres Contra el Cancer. And I'll, you know, that's a Latino charity. So, I'll try to get my favorite singer in the world to, to sing. Oh, who's that? My girlfriend. Uh, did we talk about that? No, no. <laughs> he really has like a smoking hot, like super, can I say a super famous girlfriend? Yeah. We'll talk about that later, but we're talking about Dr. Ben right now. Yeah. Um, you really kind of had broken just a stereotype sitting here talking to me because I feel like you're not this like Hollywood kind of, you know, you think Hollywood plastic surgeon. I don't know. You don't think about someone who's out in the world giving his services for free, furthering his education, just trying to literally make people feel better. You know what I mean? I, mean, I hope everybody's you. like that, but <laughs> no. I mean, there there are those bad doctors, I don't think but I'm I do think there are a lot of great people. I think that there's a plastic surgery is such a different thing than a lot of people may think, especially if they've never experienced it or considered it. Yeah, whatever. As a, as a job, it's a, there's a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, like that's good. For, yeah, you can help people. You can just use them as your toys and try to make things pretty. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to do. Yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun, and you can change lives in a very nice way without having to deal with the harder stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, I used to want, I used to want to be a heart surgeon. I was training to be a cancer surgeon. Oh my God. I couldn't deal with it. That's, I mean, I can imagine that's super intense. So, um, what kind of advice would you leave for anyone considering plastic surgery or any, you know, anyone wanting to change something? Yeah. I, I, I'd say realistically, you should be scared going into this stuff. But if you really find the right person, and there's probably, in my opinion, 5 to 10% of the surgeons and practitioners out there are the right doctors. It's not just me. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, but probably like 10% where I'd say are just amazing. You go to those people and you put your trust in their hands. And really, really don't be scared to do things as long as they think it's reasonable and you think that what they said is realistic. That's so, so, you know, that's it, it, it's it's a big thing to swallow, but don't be scared, but be scared. That's yeah. the whole idea. Do a lot of homework. Yeah. Be a little skeptic. It's a good yeah, idea. Do a lot of homework and don't trust media. Media is oh, yeah. good. I hope you do great in media. Thank you. But, yeah. Trust me. Tr totally <laughs> yeah. trust me for sure. Yeah, no one else. But, but in plastics with doctors, you got to be careful. Yeah. That sounds really good. Okay. So where can all of my listeners follow you online? What do you have coming up next? So, well, my Instagram is Dr. Ben Talley. So if you put in like Dr. Ben, D-R Ben. Okay. D-R-B-E-N, it pops up. The Dr. Ben. Yeah, just Dr. <laughs> yeah, the official. Um, otherwise, it's beverlyhillscenter.com is my website. And coming up, yeah, the next thing's going to be the fundraiser for Padres uh, Contra el Cancer, which we're hopefully planning soon. We're talking with them to see how much they need us. Yeah. So, you know, they have so many supporters and they're such a great charity. We're, we're lucky to be able to like to help them. That's good. Um, and then after that's the NCADV again. And I know you have a new um, spa open up near your office. Healing center. How do I yeah. know that and you don't yeah, know that? Wait, spa, talk yeah. about that. So he's yeah, got a brand so, new spa attached yeah, so to his office. Uh, yeah, so my office is over on Roxbury and Beverly Hills. And mm -hmm. uh, it's a big office with a surgery center and everything. And what I realized was we weren't offering enough in terms of holistic healing. Mm -hmm. And so I opened up a spa next door uh, called the Aura Spa Healing Center. And so we have in it uh, hyperbaric oxygen. We have LED light stem, which is amazing uh, new technology for light beds. Yeah, it's great. And the other room is going to be for IV therapies, IV hydration, that kind of stuff. 
um, I want to stay away from voodoo. So I want to make sure everything we do is great. So I have a fellow and I always have fellows and we're doing research and everything we're doing mm -hmm. to get real scientific basis for everything that we do. So I'm not going to tell somebody, hey, put this on your head. It's going to grow hair. Right. It's bullshit. That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. I want to get scientific evidence for everything. Yes. Me too. I'm trying to get scientific evidence for my ex-boyfriend right now, and it's just like not happening. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. <laughs> okay, that's perfect, Dr. Ben. Thank you so much for coming on another episode yeah. of Eyes Up Here. I feel like we've cleared up a lot of plastic surgery misconceptions today. I hope so. Yeah, can't wait to see what you do in the future, and I'll be watching. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Eyes Up Here at the Focus TV studios. You can watch it streaming on eyesupheretv.com. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>